Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Developer Tea. This is the second part of my interview with Joel Beasley. Once again, this is a little bit of an unconventional type of interview for Developer Tea. Usually, I have guests come on my show. I ask them all of the questions. In a way, uh, Joel and I were kind of just having a conversation about uh, the, the things that we do with our shows. So uh, it kind of feels like he's interviewing me sometimes. Sometimes it feels like uh, I'm interviewing him. And sometimes it feels like I'm talking. It's kind of a meta show about developer tea. So hopefully uh, this episode is insightful to those of you, especially those of you who have been listening for a while. You can kind of see why I continue to do this show uh, even after six years, going on seven years coming up in uh, this winter. Uh, why we continue plugging away, doing three episodes a week. Uh, and it really, the, the sneak peek here is that it's all about you, you guys, the listeners. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Let's get straight into the second part of my interview with Joel Beasley. So I met uh, this gentleman named Etienne de Bruin, who owns seven CTOs. And he said, you know, they do like executive peer groups for technology leaders, VPs of engineers, CTOs. They're on the more like premium side where people are paying like $20,000 a year. And it's facilitated by a professional facilitator. You have to pay and all that. So uh, it's definitely a good value. But uh, he wanted to create something for the mid-level of the market. Like, you know, people that are, you know, they're, they want to become a manager for the first time or they want to move from manager to director. And that was at a price point that was like much cheaper than that, like super affordable, even if they wanted to pay for it for themselves. So I said, okay, um, because I have the audience and you have the knowledge of how to run these communities and the staff and the support. So we created elevate150.com. And the idea was elevate, you know, bring people up to the next level. And then 150 was like one of Dunbar's numbers of community size. So we capped the community at 150 people. And so we have 100 people now. And uh, we've grown that over like the past eight months. And every week we have speakers. And then see, it's like a 10 minute topic uh, conversation. And then you go into a small group of like three to four people. And that that speaker has set you up with something. It's not like a generic cycling of speakers that are doing sales pitches. Like they have to adhere to our format. And so what it does is it gets you in these communities, having these small discussions and building relationships. And that's been like unbelievable. Uh, so now I've now I've got this like community where I can go, and then every every week or every other week I'm getting introduced to three or four new peers, and we're having legitimate conversations. This kind of thing is lacking so much. I'm so glad you're you're building it, uh, because I, I really believe we could have about a hundred more of these, and it wouldn't be enough. This is just sorely lacking, and it's that's a huge kind of open opportunity uh for for growth um and for business for making something that's that could be a sustainable business i could actually absolutely i'd love to be a part of that i i think a critical component of what you're saying on that is that everybody's bought in and it's very hard to do that in a self-organized way okay everybody we're gonna break out into groups you know just on our own without having any format that's input you know it's provided to us but having that as, hey, look, this is when you come here, this is what we do. This is kind of the, the prescribed format. And if you're going to speak here, this is the prescribed way that this group works. I think that's really, really important. And having that kind of 
structure, you know, it's very similar to what we experience on teams. If your team doesn't have a structure, it kind of devolves. People each have their own way of doing things and everybody kind of clams up. It's very hard uh, socially to build that, you know, kind of organically. So I, I really love that, uh, that idea. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It wasn't mine. It was the community. <laughs> right. And so I, I'm just trying to do, you know, what we do a lot professionally is facilitate, right? We, we allow, like you said earlier, we grease the wheels, we connect the right people and we help achieve the outcomes. And I love, I love getting to, to be a part of something like that. And, uh, I hope it grows. I hope it, like, I hope we have a bunch of these 150 groups. One of the big things that we noticed, because, you know, at first, one of my resistance areas of doing this at first was, you know, I'm a part of Rands and Repose, you know, 14,000 member Slack. Uh, he, he's awesome. And, you know, there's a couple other leadership groups I'm a part of that have four or five, 10,000 people. And what I realized is the reason why I don't spend time in these groups is because they get so big because they're so useful. Sure. And then everybody like asks the same questions. And then people yeah. get, then, then you get the, the core group of people and then they start getting frustrated for these questions. And then it creates this wrong dynamic. So I was like, if we could solve that. Uh, and so we did a bunch of research and found, found Dunbar's number. And we were like, let's just create a community, but then cap it out 150 people and then create another community and just keep doing that. Yeah. I, I makes sense. I, I, I can just that intuitively hearing, uh, you know, 14,000 people. I feel like I would disappear. I would get tired of the notifications that are popping up probably. <laughs> so I would silence that. Uh, that would be step one. And then nobody knows me from the next, you know, Jonathan on the list because it's alphabetically sorted. And so, you know, I, I just disappear. Um, and it's not because there's not meaningful things to say. It's just, there's too much. Uh, I did a episode a long time, or maybe it was a blog, but I don't even remember. Um, uh, but it was, the concept was the noise floor, the noise floor. And, and we know this in audio engineering, that you have a floor on the noise on any given channel, right? There's, uh, in, in order to have any kind of signal processing, especially into digital, there's some level of noise. Uh, and that comes in the form of some kind of static usually. So if you turn your gain up all the way on a microphone, this is kind of insider baseball, but you get a lot of static on that microphone, right? So one of the measures of quality, uh, typically kind of a rough measure of quality is signal to noise ratio. If you have high signal to noise ratio, then generally speaking, your, the clarity of that audio is going to be much better. And the concept of this, um, of this blog post is to use this as a metaphor for any kind of, uh, communication platform, right? Right now we're on one, but we do this so much more publicly now that the noise floor has risen. There's a lot more channels to listen to. And so that kind of acts as noise. It's detracting from the signal that you're trying to produce. And so I see this as a way of saying, okay, we're going to cap this both for the relational kind of uh, uh, evidence-based uh, uh, approach for relational development, but also because it quite simply just reduces the noise, right? You're going to have a higher signal ratio in a smaller group. I have a question for you. It's probably kind of switching gears. Yeah. Is that all yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So what is a moment in your journey on this podcast and not just podcast, but all of the various channels that you participate in 
where you were the closest to quitting? Uh, the closest to quitting was when I started uh, making a lot of money. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I started making a lot of money and then my episodes increased at that same time. And I kind of realized that I had gotten everything I wanted, right? I was talking mm -hmm. to the creator of the internet and the CTO of NASA and Microsoft, and those were my days. And like, you know, I'm, I'm on text threads with, you know, very popular people. And it's like, it feels surreal. And so I got a little depressed and I realized that this 20 year goal I had of getting to, to be in this sort of cohort of technology leaders at the top, I achieved within three to three to four years. And I kind of got depressed about it. And I was like, that happens. Like if you listen to people like Tony Robbins, he'll tell you like, when you achieve these goals, you have to make sure you have another big goal set up after that because you you have no direction now. And so that's when it went from me extracting the best knowledge from, from leaders because I thought it would be cool to these principles that we developed called uh, like why why the company exists. And it's there's three parts of it. It's to educate, entertain, and elevate. So the education part, how do you be a good leader? How do you grow in your career? Uh, the entertainment part, 3D printing houses, right? Uh, Elon Musk putting in the Neuralink, you know, all of these types of things. Uh, open AI. So the, we have the enter entertaining part and then the elevate part. Again, in every episode, there's a section that specifically talks that we ask people that advice about growing themselves and their leaders. And then, and then the community itself, we call Elevate 150. So I said, okay, if we can be doing those three things. Um, have you seen that movie Soul by Disney? kid movie okay so the professional musician struggles his whole life dies then he gets to come back and like do this show and then he's like is that it and then she's like yes right. we do it again and we do it again so i had i got my dream and then i figured i had to figure out like how do i do this more how do i keep myself engaged and how do i keep myself wanting to do this that, that's the journey i was on We'll get right back to my interview with Joel right after we talk about today's sponsor. Today's episode of Developer T is supported by Command Line Heroes. Command Line Heroes is a podcast that tells the epic true tales of developers, programmers, hackers, and geeks, open source rebels. Uh, you should... Decide which one of those you identified most with as you go in to listen to Season 7. Because Season 7 is all about the founders, the pioneers. Uh, host Saranya Barak takes us back to the pivotal, very important year of 1995. It was the start of the dot-com boom, but a lot of things had to come together. The stars had to align, so to speak, for the internet to succeed. Uh, long before you could hop on GoDaddy, for example, to grab a domain name, there was a specific number uh, that you'd have to call. And not just a specific number, it was actually a specific person. A specific woman named Elizabeth Jake Feinler. Elizabeth was the keeper of all domains. I listened to this episode. Believe it or not, domains once upon a time were tracked on paper. 
Elizabeth, now in her 90s, is featured on this very first episode of Season 7 of Command Line Heroes, and it is uh, a season full of these kinds of pioneers talking about this incredible story of the platform that we all have come to rely on so heavily. You can find Command Line Heroes wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Command Line Heroes Season 7. My huge thanks to Command Line Heroes for their support of Developer T. And much of much of my story is is similar to that in the sense that my, my lowest point is, you know, at, at a moment where I feel like the thing that I wanted to get, I either no longer want, or it's somehow I've just kind of lost whatever that that desire was to have that thing has has expired, right? I think back to when I was a teenager and wanting to tour as a musician. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And now I think I cannot imagine, <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing that, right? And I think that taught me a lesson about the fluidity of what we care about and being able to follow that and, and kind of morph it as we move forward, both as people and in our careers. That fluid desire, we shouldn't necessarily try to push back against it but instead, we should find a way to follow it in, in kind of a sustainable fashion, right? It's okay that I didn't want to uh, to tour as a musician. I can still keep my gear and play whenever I want to, right? There's there's a there's a way to kind of uh, the the metaphor that I always come back to for this for myself is the river kind of flows around the rocks, right? You don't move the rock out of the way, but eventually. Eventually, that rock gets smoothed down, right? So what may feel like kind of an obstacle or a frustration uh, in your life, if you kind of act like the river, that smooths over over time. And it may change things, but it's not going to ruin, it's not going to stop the river, right? That's kind of the, the persistence mindset in combination with, I guess, the acceptance mindset is the river's going to keep flowing over these rocks. No matter what you do, it's going to find a way. Very persistent in that nature. But it may not always be the way that you expect it. And to invite that change, I think, is kind of a superpower. It's really hard for people to change. But if we can invite change, that can really change the way, you know, really we approach our entire life, um, but certainly our careers as well. It's, it's almost never like we imagine it. It's, it's, it's always kind of close, but it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost the rule that you have to have this vision. You have to go for it. You have to work really hard. You have to get knocked down and get up and try again. And, and then you will get something and it won't necessarily be exactly what you imagined, but you'll get somewhere close to it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think you did this really interesting thing by developing these principles because what you had to do and what I had to do when I came up with the three kind of goals of developer T is to help uh, driven. Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to completely, I, I say it in the, at the beginning of every episode to help driven developers find clarity, perspective, and purpose in their careers. This is something that's evergreen, 
right? And what you're saying is something that's evergreen. You could do that forever and never be done. Right? You're not, you're not going to finish that. Uh, it's not something that you can check that. Well, I did it. I, I helped everybody find perspective. You know, that's, that's never going to happen. But it's an ongoing, uh, ongoing function of your life, right? It's more about who do I want to be rather than what do I want to do? Yes. Yes. We should, we should, uh, we should set up a meeting between me and Etienne. You know, I just got to meet him for the first time in person. We did this whole business. We became business partners, grew this whole Elevate thing for the past, you know, almost year. And then just last week, he took his family from California to like uh, Wyoming. And then I took my family from Florida to Wyoming and we camped out together and made a campfire and our kids played and it was great. Oh, that's a blast. We did something very similar with Spec, by the way. Uh, Spec was the was the podcast network that I started with Brian and Brian from Design Details that eventually we grew and had like 10 podcasts as a part of the network uh, that we actually shut down last year. And all under good, you know, situation, it was just time to end it. And so, uh, but we hadn't met each other for, I think it was a year into growing this network. We had, you know, shared bank accounts before we ever shook hands, you know, it was, it was kind of a wild experience. And it really kind of reinforced the, all of the things like it kind of tested my, you know, what I say about remote work. I had to kind of buy into that. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was one of the best experiences in my life uh, starting yeah. that, that network. Yes. Well, I love what you've built over at Developer T. Um, I think you're out there helping so many developers. And I was so excited. You know, I think we talked two or three years ago about potentially getting together and then just time is, and that's, that's one of the things I love too, is, you know, specifically with Etienne as well. Like we had talked, you know, four years ago once and he was doing his seven CTOs and I was doing my modern CTO. And then to, to, to see someone still doing it and still going after it after three, four five years, that's the most rare thing ever. And that gives me respect because I, I, that's why I give respect because I talk to so many people and so many people quit. They start something, they do it, and they quit within a year or two or when it gets difficult. But I like the people who don't give up. Yeah, I don't, I don't see an end to, to this, certainly. Uh, and, and I appreciate your persistence, uh, which seems to be a theme here. Um, and, and, you know, I, some of me believes that I do it for myself as much as anything, that I can't stop. Uh, I know that's, that's kind of a common refrain that I've heard, uh, from some creatives that they're kind of addicted to their work. I wouldn't say I'm addicted to this, but it's so gratifying, uh, to hear from anybody that something I said helped them change the way they think. Um, that's kind of the most gratifying part of my career is helping people adjust, um, which, which seems kind of crazy, right? It seems like it's a small thing, but just a slight change in perspective really that is kind of my goal uh or i guess my my measurement are people changing the way they're thinking if they're not then i'm probably not doing the right thing here do you have a book i don't not yet uh i have certainly thought about kind of collating a lot of these ideas but so much of what i want to say or would want to say has been said in different ways. And so I've struggled with what is the right angle uh, to present this. And I've thought about doing um, almost like a cone style 
I'm not sure if you're familiar with, you probably are familiar with this idea, but uh, it's kind of a, a daily thought, like a, pond, a way to ponder uh, a concept that hopefully, again, is, is kind of a, it will change your perspective even slightly for that day. Uh, I've thought about kind of creating that kind of thing. Uh, but I haven't, haven't really committed in either direction yet. <laughs> on which 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 kind of thing I want to actually build for that. Yeah, I think taking your most popular episodes and looking at those topics and developing a chapter outline, that's one of the strategies that we're using here is like, which topics do people respond to the most? Uh, and then how can we, you know, it's like music. You have the same argument in music, right? You could say, oh, that chord progression has been used before, but it's when you down and that dedicate is- time yeah. to doing it, that's when it, yeah. that's when it comes out. You're absolutely right. And there are definitely themes. Uh, you know, I, I did something called uh, the Developer Career Roadmap. Uh, I guess that was probably four years ago now. And um, the whole idea was, I'm going to commit to a specific pathway, even though it goes against every fiber of my being, right? Because I, I really believe so much of it is about context. But hey, if you want to become a developer, this path would work, right? It's uh, it's intended to be something you can always memorize and just follow that. And, and you can find yourself on the path, right? You can say, okay, where am I on this? I'm st- step one, step two, step three. And you can identify, okay, if I'm at step three, this is what I should be thinking about. This is what I should be doing next. And that, I think that was very useful. Uh, and it, what's interesting is it's very boring in, in terms of like, it's not really changing much, Right. There's not a lot going on with that concept, but so many people don't have that. They don't have the basic guidance of this is kind of a step through your career way to get into this industry. Uh, and they rely on, you know, I guess osmosis. <laughs> they, they look at what other people are doing. They try to emulate it maybe uh, and develop some kind of uh, implicit goals like we were talking about. So that might be an angle. Uh, that we explore a little bit more in the future. I've thought about doing a revised version of it as well for manager, kind of higher level career uh, uh, roadmap as well. Yes, dude, this is good. You know, the, the thing that excites me most about uh, this conversation and us getting to know each other a little bit better is not any sort of like immediate business thing that we might do together, but just knowing that like the odds of of you still doing this in 10 years is really high and it'll be so great to see what you learn in 10 years to talk to, to talk to you again in a decade. One of my favorite things about you was uh, when I saw that you're a long-term thinker. And if you look at our company website, uh, one of our core like key values is we think in terms of decades um, and that helps us make like better decisions. It's, it's the only way I think, well, it's the only way I can think. I know there, this is what I was talking about, outlining the differences between a startup and probably why I'm not at a startup anymore right now uh, is because my, my brain kind of breaks a little bit when I have to think about what's going to work for three weeks. Uh, and, and I love that you have decided that that's a value for you and uh, for all of your ventures. The thing that has stuck out so much about you to me I think probably the most present and continuous publication that I've seen uh, is has come from you and your team. Of course, I, there's no way that you could do it alone. Uh, but when you said persistence, I, I thought, yep, that's exactly 
if I could sum up what I've gathered from your body of work, it's that you're persistent and the changes that you make won't ever be to stop something. Uh, it'll be to change it, to morph it, or if it's going to stop, it's going to be replaced with something else. <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, yeah. that's really inspiring. Or handed down to the next generation, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Grow it further, right? Expand it and yeah. let them, let them make their mark and make it their own. And, and as long as, you know, the, that's, what's so great about the foundation and the principles and the values something is built on is those things will continue to occur as long as it's like a, I often consider myself a gardener. Like I can't make the plant grow, but I can put the seed in the right soil and I can make sure that there's like the right weather happening around us. And I can make sure the water happens correctly, but I can't make the plant grow, but I can just create, I can curate an environment where things can grow. You're not going to believe me when I say this, but it's wild that you say you think of yourself as a gardener. This is exactly the metaphor that I used uh, in, my, in my interview to join PBS, actually. Uh, they asked me, you know, what is your management style? And I said, I think managers are gardeners. They cultivate the ground for the engineers that they're working with to grow under. They can't force them to grow, right? You can't look at a flower and scream at it and say, you need to be taller or you need to bloom prettier. You know, your job is to focus on the soil. Your job is to focus on the sunlight. Everything that's going on around this is that's your job. Uh, so it's, it's a, a kind of strange. Uh, it's not that strange, I suppose. Uh, we do think a lot alike in, in some regards, and that seems to be a very big overlap there. Thank you so much for listening to the second part of my interview with Joel Beasley. Make sure you don't miss out on the first part of this interview. Uh, we did this. Uh, this two parts uh, with an episode in between. So make sure you go back into the feed uh, if you missed out on the first part. You can also hear the interview on Joel's feed if you're not subscribed to the Modern CTO podcast. Uh, you can find that at moderncto.io. Another huge thank you to Command Line Heroes for their support of Developer T. You can learn all about how the internet came to be from the very roots uh, from the very beginning, uh, everything from DNS to design and all of the things in between, you can find Season 7 of Command Line Heroes wherever you listen to podcasts. Speaking of where you listen to podcasts, if you have not left a review or rating for Developer T, I'm going to ask you to go and do that. Uh, the show comes out three times a week, usually, and... This is completely free. We also run a Discord community. It's totally free. The only way that we fund this show is through our advertisers. And the only way we get advertisers is to continue growing our audience. So that is the model that we live by. And you can help influence that model. Right? You can help influence that model in really two main ways. The first is to go and leave a review and a rating uh, in whatever platform you use, iTunes is the most important one still for podcasts. But uh, also, sharing these episodes with people that you think specifically will respond and appreciate this content. You know, the, the value of the content is still the most important factor in other people actually continuing to listen to the show and to the growth of the show. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can join that Discord community, by the way. I should have mentioned that. DeveloperT.com slash Discord. 
can join that community. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, enjoy your tea. 